This morning, still in Luke chapter 1, this morning we'll focus on the announcement to Mary and its aftermath as the same angel Gabriel comes to Mary and announces good news to her uh, like he did with Zechariah. And we'll look at the, the difference in her response uh, versus Zechariah's response. So this morning, Luke 1, verses 26 to 56. I'm going to read this for us with a reminder, as always, that it's the very word of the living God. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month, that's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will deliver to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, <clears throat> My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months 
and returned to her home. So ends the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant word. May he write it deep on our hearts <coughs> that it may, may bear fruit for us and in us. Well, as we come before the word, let me pray for us one more time. Our Lord God and Father in heaven, now we come before your word. Speak to us through it. Fulfill the promise that you've made that it goes out and does not return to you empty. Rather, let it accomplish everything that you purpose for it and be successful in the things for which you sent it. For us, we do pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us in abundance to overflowing, to open our eyes to see and to open our ears to hear what you have for us from your word, making your word a lamp to our feet and a light to our path so that we might walk according to what it teaches. Our Father, we ask all of this in Christ's precious name. Amen. <coughs> Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. What an incredible statement from Mary. Now, I've read that statement, I don't know how many times. I've read this story, I don't know how many times. We read it on Christmas Eve as part of our reading. I've preached on this passage preached on and taught on the Magnificat, Mary's song. <clears throat> but now, for some reason, it's jumped out at me. <laughs> and um, I guess that's a good thing. That's a helpful thing to remember. We can always learn something new from God's Word. And uh, what a privilege that is. But here's this incredible statement from Mary in verse 38. Let it be to me according to your word. And the more I think about it, the more, the more I think that this is really the heart and soul, the very foundation of this whole story in Luke chapter 1. Without it, there is no song of Mary. Without it, Mary's response is not faithful. But with it, with it we see the foundation for Mary's belief, Mary's faith. And how her response is such a contrast to that of Zechariah. It's a contrast to Zechariah. It's also a contrast, I think, to the culture around us, especially pop culture. Like I said, I've read this many times. It's never jumped out at me before. And I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I've, I've kind of skimmed over this. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be. I know the words to the Beatles song or did, better than I knew the words in this passage. Kind of embarrassing. Paul McCartney wrote that song saying that he had had a dream about his mother coming to him, his mother who had died when he was younger, coming to him at a time when there was conflict in the group and strife and stress and just telling him, let it let it be, giving him what he called the words of wisdom. But then you think about the lyrics, what words of wisdom? I mean, 
When the brokenhearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer. What does that mean? For though they may be parted, there is still a chance that they will see. Ah, it's kind of poetic. But wisdom? It's, it's really more like blind hope. It's wishful thinking. If we could just get people to agree, if we could just get people to come together, then we'd have peace and love. And I'm sure he's thinking about his relationship with his bandmates. And this drives home for me something that's been in prominent in my, in my mind lately. The world is out there looking for answers. The world is desperately looking for answers to the problems of life, to the questions of life. We have those answers. We have those answers. We have the wisdom that the world is looking for. And Mary's simple, yet profound, powerful statement of faith in verse 38 is an example of that wisdom. It's full of wisdom. And I think really it ought to be a, a prominent confession of, of every believer so my primary focus this morning is going to be on Mary's response. The word is compelling. It compels a response. I don't want to forget about the power of the word or, or that the word reveals. And I'll talk about that a little bit. But really what I want to focus on this morning is how compelling the word is and how, what kind of an incredible response it produces from this young girl from a little town called Nazareth in Galilee. So this account that we have, let me start with that and, and I'll talk about the power a little bit and the revealing of the word, but then conclude by really emphasizing the response of Mary. This account here breaks up the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and John. Now it's, it happens that way sequentially in history, but the, but the break is, is wonderful because John could have told the story of of John the Baptist being born, or Luke told the story of John the Baptist being born, and then circled back and talked about um, Mary. But it, it wouldn't have been a very good story that way, to be quite honest. Um, but what the break does is it, it, it provides a wonderful contrast between Mary's response to Gabriel and Zechariah's response to the same angel. So we have this story. The angel Gabriel is sent to Mary. He tells her that he's favored She's favored, that the Lord is with her. She's going to conceive and bear a son. She's to name him Jesus. He tells him the son will be great, which is already a contrast with John. John is, is said of John, he will be great before the Lord. Jesus is just great. He's intrinsically, naturally, as his own attribute, great. Because he is the son of the Most High. He will be given the throne of David, his father. He's going to reign over Jacob forever, and his kingdom will not end. And Mary's response is a question. How is this going to happen? I'm a virgin, verse 34. And that's not a lack of faith. It's, it's actually quite a, a simple question. Zechariah has reflected disbelief. When Gabriel came to him, Zechariah's response was, How am I going to know this? How do I know this is true? How can I trust this word? 
I'm old. My wife is old. But Mary's response, I think, is a little bit more on the lines of, well, I'm a virgin. Are you asking me to do something about that? Am I supposed to get married early to Joseph? What are we supposed to do? And the angel's answer really is nothing. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you so that your child will be called Holy, the Son of God. And it gives her a reminder of the power of God. Your cousin Elizabeth is six months along. She's got a son in her old age. Nothing is impossible with God, Mary. And so we have Mary's simple, and I think just saturated with faith, response. There in verse 38, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And so the angel departs. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, whose baby leaps in her womb. Now, babies kick, they punch, they roll. I've heard that they burp, (laughs) hiccup in the womb. Elizabeth somehow knew that this was a different kind of movement. He leaped for joy when Mary approached. And Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Spirit and proclaims that Mary is blessed among women and the fruit of her womb is blessed as well. Who am I to have this privilege of meeting the mother of my Lord? And blessed is Mary for believing that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her. Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit and then Mary is filled with the Holy Spirit and sings this great song, the so-called Magnificat, because that's the first word in Latin. My soul magnifies the Lord. One of the commenters called this the last Old Testament psalm and the first Christian hymn, (laughs) which is kind of a neat way to think of it. And so we see the power of the word in this story, don't we? We see the conception of a child without the normal man-woman relationships going on. Something that's never happened before and never will happen again in the whole history of the world. That's power. That's power. J.A. Packer in his book, Knowing God, says that if you can believe the incarnation, that God can become man, and become man through a virgin, any other miracle is possible. Everything else falls into place. That's why the Incarnation is such an important doctrine. We can't give it up. That's power. A virgin becoming pregnant with a son. But there's power while the child is in the womb. Causes reaction. John leaps for joy. Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesying. Mary herself singing a word-saturated, word-filled song. There's power going on here. But there's revelation as well. Mary learns that she didn't earn this favor from God. The word there is completely passive. She's found favor. She's reminded herself of God's sovereignty in election and in salvation. There's revelation of the fulfillment of the ancient promises given to the fathers. 
going back to the seed of a woman. Isn't that interesting? The seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Jesus is not the seed of any man. <laughs> it's kind of interesting that God promised that way back to Eve the way he did. All these ancient promises are being fulfilled. It's revealed who is the fulfillment. Jesus. The great one because he is God incarnate. The son of David. The ruler over Israel. The everlasting kingdom. The holy one from God. There's revelation about how this is going to happen. The power that comes upon her through the Holy Spirit. Again, the promise fulfilled from Isaiah of a virgin who shall conceive and bear a son. And there's revealed truth in Elizabeth's words, in Mary's song. In Mary's song especially, there's echo after echo, allusion after allusion to Old Testament language and themes and ideas. You can see it. We just read Hannah's prayer or song for our Old Testament reading very similar to Mary's song, but very similar to many of the psalms and many of the words of the prophets who'd gone before. Mary knew the word. And through her, truth from the word is revealed. There's power here. The word comes with power. The word comes to reveal. But what strikes me again about this passage is Mary's response. The word is compelling. And it compels her to a profound and deep and wonderful kind of faith. Mary's faith is real faith. But there's also some wonderful things that go with it. Submission. Submission to God. And tremendous joy. Which those things should go together. Our faith, our belief in God should not be some sterile intellectual thing. It should remind us of who's God and who's not. But also it should fill us with incredible joy. And I want to talk about these things the rest of our time this morning. Well, first of all, we talk about faith. We define faith as having you know, three elements. Knowledge and assent and trust. We know things. Assent, we agree with them, and trust, we put our faith and hope in them. And you can see all of these in Mary's reaction to Gabriel's announcement. There's knowledge. She knows what's being promised, clearly. And where knowledge is missing about how that's going to happen, she asks and receives an answer. Mary knows, she knows the facts. She knows how it's going to happen. You're going to conceive and bear a son who will be the son of God, David's son, a savior. Given a name, Jesus, that she knows, Yeshua in Aramaic, Yehoshua in Hebrew. He saves. This is the one who's going to save his people from their sins, a king. Her knowledge is further demonstrated in her song. Think about these things that Mary knows. God gives mercy to those who fear him. God shows his strength. He scatters the proud. He brings them down. And yet he fills the hungry while the rich are sent away empty. He helped Israel in remembrance of his mercy 
just like he spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and to his offspring. She knows these things. Mary knows her Bible. Mary may have been poor. She may have been from a small town. But we do know, uh, we have a fairly decent idea of how children were educated in Israel. They went to synagogue school. They were taught the Bible. They were taught to memorize God's word. Don't think of Mary as some backwater hick walking around barefoot and dirty. She was educated, at least to a certain level. Mary knew things. But knowledge isn't enough. (laughs) There has to be assent. There's a lot of people who know God's word but don't like it and disagree with it. She agrees with it. She says again in her song, He's looked upon my humble estate. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. He who is mighty has done great things for me. This is not just some distant knowledge. Mary says, this is for me. I am the servant of the Lord. I agree with this. (laughs) I know it. I agree with it. But again, this isn't enough. The demons believe and tremble. Mary knows, Mary agrees, but she also has faith. That same statement in verse 38. Let it be to me according to your word. I am the servant of the Lord. That's trust. That's deep trust. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Whatever your word is, I'll take it. I believe it. Think about it. God isn't asking Mary to let him do these things to her. (laughs) She's chosen. She's found favor. She is going to be the mother of God himself. Nevertheless, in the mystery of God's sovereignty and how these things work, he does expect her to answer yes, just like he does with us. We've been chosen before the foundation of the world, but still when the word comes to us, do you believe we're expected to answer the right way? Yes. Mary answers yes. Not unlike Martha when she's challenged by Jesus in the New Testament reading. Not just do you believe that there will be a resurrection. Do you believe I am the resurrection? Do you believe that by believing in me, people will be raised. That's the, that's the question of the gospel. Do you believe? That's the compelling question of the gospel because it forces people to say yes or no. They can't say maybe. That's a cop-out. Do you believe? Yes? Great. Welcome to the family. Do you believe? No? Mm, let's work on that. Mary responds with the faithful yes. It's a belief that has content, affirmation of the truth of that content. But at its heart, Mary trusts in God. So the same commentator who called her song kind of the last Old Testament psalm and the first Christian hymn also says of, of, of Mary, she's kind of the first Christian. She's the first one to say yes. She's the first one to say, in a believing sort of sense, Let it be to me according to your word. 
So God's word comes to Mary and it compels faith. There's faith, there's trust in Mary's response. And that would be wonderful enough if that's all we knew. But what's so rich about her response is it reveals even more about her character and the work that God was doing in her. Her response is accompanied by more than just knowledge and assent and trust. There's more to it for her and there's, there should be more to it for us as well. Because think about it, and you know this, the Christian life isn't just believe and then go on with things. Go forward at a crusade and then go on with your life. Get your golden ticket into heaven and do whatever you want. The Christian life is one of following Jesus, of living according to what he has commanded us to do. And what we see with Mary is, <laughs> is two things that we don't often connect it together. Submission and joy. <laughs> Not many of us like to submit. Providentially, God provided us with readings on the fifth commandment today about submitting to and honoring those who are in positions above us. We don't often submit with joy, but that's exactly what Mary is doing. Let it be to me according to your word. I am the servant of the Lord. What is going to happen, I am willing to have happen. I want to have happen. I'm looking forward to it happen. My life is aligned with your plan for me, O Lord. She's submitting to him. She is the servant, the slave of God. Let it be to me, according to your word, whatever you say, I will do. To me, that's kind of an echo of of Ruth, going back to the promised land with Naomi. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you live, I will live. Let it be to me according to your word. But there's joy. There's true, genuine joy in Mary's response as well. Mary's not just a grudging servant. She's not the child who complains as they're told to go do their chores or do their homework. She's not like us in our jobs. Telling me what to do. We love to complain. Mary goes about her response with joy. It's evident in the opening of her song in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. We saw this in Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. This is Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord. That's not just an intellectual thing. That's from the very heart of her being. I lift up the Lord. I glorify Him. I magnify Him. And my spirit rejoices. Does your spirit rejoice in God your Savior? I hope so. Mary's did. Her deep, strong faith produces fruit. First of submission to God. What you tell me I will do but I'll do it with joy. Because the God who I serve has done such great things for me. Shouldn't that be our response as well? Well, of course it should. Like Mary, God has looked at our humble estate 
sinners in rebellion against him, and nevertheless, despite our rebellion, done great things for us, turned our hearts from sin to repentance, given us faith to believe, raised us up from death to life, given us a new heart, given us a new name, his name, adopted us as his children, promised us eternal life, is building a home for us in the new heavens and the earth, and so much more, all the promises and blessings that are ours in Christ. Do you believe? Yes? Great. So then comes the call. Joyful submission to the Word of God. Joyful submission to the Word of God. Again, we don't normally put those two things together. Submission with joy. We don't like submission. We're Americans. We're independent. We don't have a king. Well, yes, we do. King Jesus. We're called to joyful submission to him, joyful submission to his commands. If you love me, he says, keep my commandments. Joyful submission to every single thing that the word teaches us. What to think, how to live, how to worship, how to love God, how to love our neighbor, how to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. That's the call upon our lives. Do you believe? Will you submit? And will, will you rejoice in God your Savior at the same time? Mary's response is so much deeper, so much wiser than the pop songs, words of wisdom and wishful thinking. Again, Paul McCartney tells the story of writing that song that was a dream he had while the Beatles were bickering. They were coming apart as a group. He was hopeful that the broken-hearted members would come to some agreement. Let it be. Just let it be. Well, his hope was unfulfilled. <laughs> and ironically, Paul was the first to leave the group. So much for wishful thinking. So much for the wishful thinking of the world and the wisdom of the world. But not so with Mary, the Virgin Mother of Jesus Christ. Because her God and our God is a God who keeps his promises. That's what she said. He's remembered his servant and helped his servant Israel. Spoke to her fathers that he would do this. To Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary's faith isn't wishful thinking. Her words are not empty hope. But there's real wisdom in what she says. Let it be to me according to your word. I can hardly think of a better motto, a better goal for any Christian. Let it be to me according to your word. Everything it says. Everything it teaches. Do you believe? Then let Mary's declaration of faith be yours. Let it be mine as well. Let it be ours. Let it be to me. Let it be to you. According to the word of God. Now, always, forever. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God and Father, it is not an easy thing for us willful sheep to submit 
we do like to wander and go our own way. But teach us what a glorious freedom it is to submit to you in Christ our Savior. Teach us the beauty and the wonder and the, the joy that can be found in learning your word, studying it, knowing it, accepting it, and submitting to it and living by it. May that not be something that enters into our hearts with begrudging acceptance, but may we receive it with joy and live with joy, and may others see that joy in us. And may they come asking us the questions they have instead of looking for those answers in the, the, false, the false answers of the world around us. May we be salt, may we be light, and may we be the, the sweet aroma of Christ to those around us. Let us serve you with joy. We cannot do this in our own strength, in our own power, And so we ask for the same Holy Spirit that you give to all of your people to equip us and empower us to do that which we cannot do on our own for your honor and for your glory. Produce that submission and that joy in our own hearts. We ask it through and in Jesus, our Savior. Amen.